I want you to go buy this merch. Hello, everyone. My name is Maverick Matthews, and this is Pepper for Your Steak. If you've been waiting for one of those good old-fashioned stream-of-consciousness episodes where I explore a subject from every angle and go on a nice long rant about it and then follow that up with a deep electronic music set, well, you are in luck because that's what I have for you here today. Before I start the show, I'd like to make an honest request, and I feel really uncomfortable about doing this. But this is the world we live in. We live in a world of business and commerce. And because I don't want to put this podcast behind a paywall and because I refuse to put ads in here except for fake ones, I have to say this. Please consider going to maverickmatthews.com and donating $1. There's a donate link at the top of the main page. This podcast does not have any revenue stream associated with it right now. I've been doing this for several Four years now? Three years? A while. I've been podcasting for over a decade. And now it's time to turn this into my business. So please consider going to maverickmatthews.com. Your donation keeps this podcast on the air. And if I can get enough donations, it will dramatically improve. I've gotten a lot of DMs over the last year from people telling me this podcast has changed their life. Not thousands, but enough, dozens, that it, that it really has meant a lot to me. And so now, unfortunately, and in an uncomfortable way, I have to ask you to put your money where your mouth is. So please consider donating $1 to Pepper for Your Steak and Mind Fire. And I promise, in return, to increase the frequency of content and its quality. So without further ado... Let's get into it. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. And it's important to me that you buy the merch. It really is. It is. It is important that all of you listening buy the merch. And I don't want to hear nothing. Inflation's going down. The price of gas is going down. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear that your kid is sick. Your mother-in-law fell. The job's not what it used to be. The hours are getting crunched. The neighborhood's changing. The taxes are up. The water's brown. You got a pain in your lower back. I don't want to hear that you're vomiting and shitting more than you used to. That you wake up in the middle of the night shivering. I don't want to hear that you don't have anything to believe in and your kids hate you because you can't provide them with the style of life that their friends have. I don't want to hear that you can't get hard to fuck your wife because she's fat now because she's eating our poison food. I don't want to hear that you can only jerk off to women getting beaten on the internet because you resent your wife because she finished college and you didn't. I don't want to hear that you have three dogs and two of them need operations and you can't afford it and one of them's starting to smell. <laughs> I don't want to hear that your father doesn't look you in the eye because he's ashamed of the man that you've become. I don't want to hear any of that. I want you to go buy this merch. My life has hardly been pretty. The hospitals, the jails, the jobs, the women... The drinking. Some of my critics claim I deliberately inflicted myself with pain. I wish some of my critics had been along with me for the journey. It's true, 
I haven't always chosen easy situations, but that's one hell of a long way from saying that I leaped into the oven and locked the door. Hangover, the electric needle, bad booze, bad women, madness in small rooms, starvation in the land of plenty. God knows how I got so ugly. I guess it just comes from being slugged and slugged again and again and not going down, still trying to think, to feel, still trying to put the butterfly back together again. It's written a map on my face that nobody would ever want to hang on their wall. Sometimes I see myself somewhere, suddenly, say in a large mirror at a supermarket, eyes like mean little bugs, face scarred, twisted. Yes, I look insane, demented, what a mess, spilled vomit on skin. Yet, when I see handsome men, I think, my God, my God, I'm glad I'm not one of them. That's a quote from Charles Bukowski. My name is Maverick Matthews, and this is Pepper for Your Steak. for your steak. This episode is called When Hearts Turn to Stone. It is deeply reflective of a station I am experiencing in life. And so today we are going to explore the component of the human condition that allows a kind of vengeful hate to develop in people. I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart, with very few exceptions, I have been lucky enough to prevent myself from developing vengeful hate. But pressure doesn't just create diamonds. 
Sometimes pressure also creates the blackest of oil. And perhaps that's a bad metaphor because <clears throat> within the depths of the human condition, there does seem to be an ability to, maybe if you're really lucky and quite mindful, direct the geological forces which crush us inside. And maybe not necessarily completely direct them, but b become aware of the station and condition that they're in and mitigate the damage they do to your life. What am I trying to say here? Bitterness is something which we all struggle with. Bitterness over friends, enemies, outcomes, predicaments, stations, challenges in general. And my own personal journey has led me to hopefully become more honest about my mistakes. And in that realization, recognize when others are not being honest. When others are avoiding conflict and denying their own role, the role that they play in a certain situation. And instead, letting all that turn to bitterness and blaming the other party completely. We're all guilty of this. In, at one degree or another. But in my own personal life's trajectory, I am dealing with some, some serious bitterness where, where someone's heart has turned to absolute stone. And I, I heard an amazing quote about anger. And it applies in this scenario... Anger is the only substance that destroys the vessel which carries it more than whatever it's poured on. In other words, it doesn't matter how angry or how much anger you hold for me. It will always destroy you more. especially when that anger is born out of a kind of blame which has no accountability. So today we're going to explore the idea of a lack of accountability leading to a kind of numbness which overcomes someone and how that numbness crystallizes into a kind of deadness, a kind of stone. And that reminds me for some reason of another Indian proverb, parable that I once heard. Uh, it's kind of an anecdote. 
there was once a uh, a Native American talking to a non-Native American, and the non-Native American said, you know, I've heard that your people believe that all the rocks are alive. How can this be? How can rocks be alive? And the Native American laughed and said, not all rocks are alive. Only the very special ones. It's a fascinating parable to decode because in this context, the context of the crystallization of emotion, making you something harder, stronger, less flexible, perhaps one interpretation could be even though you have to steel yourself or harden yourself against the challenges of this world, you also, at the same time, have to somehow figure out how to also be alive and accepting and feeling. Even if those feelings are perhaps more subtle, more guarded. So let's explore this today. My name is Maverick Matthews. This is Pepper for your steak. We thought we had something different here, you see. We live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy. And we live in an empire that is experiencing profound decline. Reptilian agenda. Okay, let's talk about the reptiles. So you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to, like, Hawaii, to to vacation spots? The moon was there to scare white people. I've said this for years. To live this life, you can't live the life everyone else lives. You're not going to be partying on the weekends. You're going to be performing on the weekends. You're not going to be watching the big uh, game on a Thursday night because you'll be in a club. You have to have that mindset that you don't belong. You don't go to the rhythm of the rest of the world. Do you know what the scariest thing in the world is? Not becoming a slave to the beliefs that have come before you, that have dominated others. The scariest thing in the world is just believing, just being afraid because people tell you to be afraid. Are you afraid? Good. You're in the great game now. And the great game is terrifying. The only people who aren't afraid of failure are madmen like your father. Do you know what frightens me? I said farewell to a man who loves me. A man I thought I cared for. And I felt nothing. Just impatient to get on with it. Just impatient to get on with it. You know, I would put forth the proposition that we are entering a time when emotionality 
It's not just being marginalized. It's being destroyed. We are being taught a kind of thought devoid of feeling that rational countenance supersedes intuition. And that is wrong. Emotions serve a purpose, a deep and meaningful purpose. And I am not making a case for absolute emotionality. Far from that. But I would argue that the emotions which color our lives not only serve a purpose, but point in a direction which is more meaningful than materialism, than the acquisition of wealth and power, more important than being right sometimes. I'm guilty of making these mistakes, of thinking that, that right makes might, or might makes right. Sometimes the acceptance of a loss is the right thing to do. Because the right thing to do is not about what's best for you. I did not mean for that to rhyme. <laughs> I made the mistake in a lot of my previous relationships of thinking that just because I was correct that my rightness was built in that correctness. This is a tricky subject to navigate because in the human condition, sometimes right conflicts with being gentle. Sometimes right conflicts with being loving. Sometimes right conflicts with right itself. What is more right? That which is rational or that which makes others feel comfortable? Truly, this is an exceptionally complicated issue because right now we live in a society where people are putting forth the idea that you need to acknowledge a million genders because it makes people feel comfortable. You need to acknowledge uh, so many things just for people's comfort. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Comfort does not supersede rationality. But there is a kind of strange balance which we have to negotiate, which we have to figure out. And I, look, I'm not trying to tell you I have it all figured out here. There aren't going to be any answers in this show. All I'm doing is exploring these ideas because I, I'm in a situation myself where someone's version of what is right conflicts with what is true. What is true is that human beings have to connect with each other. 
And sometimes that connection is uncomfortable. And if you think discomfort is wrong, then you are wrong. Because the nature of the human condition is to be uncomfortable. Frequently. If not most of the time. Why? Because that discomfort is where creation is born. The creation of new principles, the creation of new ideas, the creation of a new path forward through the woods. It is uncomfortable to hack at the weeds with your machete and find the path. And yet, somehow we must find the path. Somehow we have to create the path. We have to establish the fortitude, the sweat, the tears, the pain to forge forward. To pound at the anvil of our success. Where is that balance? Every single day. I wrestle with this. How much pain am I supposed to endure? And and when am I supposed to rest? And say, okay, I give in. This is the wrong path. Because the trick that is being propagated onto our entire country is just be comfortable, just take the pill, just sit back and relax. Life is supposed to be easy. Life is supposed to be inconsequential. You're supposed to be comfortable the entire time. This is a lie. I don't understand why this is, and I would argue that we're not supposed to understand the why. You know, within the within Buddhism, for example, there are certain things you are not supposed to contemplate. You're not supposed to contemplate karma. You're not supposed to contemplate the balance of things on a certain level. You're just supposed to understand that it will balance and to do mostly good and trust in the scales of the universe. I don't know what that means. I don't know why it is. But when I plant a seed, I trust that if I give it the conditions necessary for its growth, that it will grow. That's what divinity is. Divinity is that spark which enlivens the seed to somehow put out roots, to somehow soften its coat and allow it to sprout. To trust that the sun will invigorate leaves which make themselves present. And we have to do this in our own lives. We have to plant ourselves with that kind of trust. And I, I, I truly have... I have searched so hard to understand why, and the why is not part of our process as humans. But the how and the when and the where... It seems like those are the things we're supposed to focus on. (laughs) And we don't even have to decide those things. It becomes obvious. 
The farmer knows how and when and where. It's the springtime. When the earth has thawed. And the ground is soft enough. And warm enough. And wet enough. For us to plant our seed. It is so strange because in the trajectory of my own life. The seasons are something I didn't expect. I didn't expect things to freeze over. I didn't expect things to become incongruent with my own needs. What if you're a seed that just wants to germinate so badly, that just wants to sprout so badly, and yet you're forced to wait until the conditions are right? I don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. Because the divinity within us causes a kind of friction, a kind of madness, a kind of pain. Please just let me sprout. Let my goodness be known. We have a kind of urgency from moment to moment. This is what causes people to speed through traffic and go crazy. I have to get there. I have an urgency within me that forces me to put the pedal to the metal and speed through traffic and endanger others. And that's a mistake. We are not the only seeds. In fact, in the human condition, I would potentially make the argument that all of our seasons are different. And they're not necessarily congruent with nature's seasons. Some people sprout during the winter. I am sprouting emotionally and psychologically right now, and it is November. A time when my ranch in North Idaho feels a hardened ground. When the snow is beginning to fall. That is not the time to plant on the earth And yet somehow, within my psychology, seeds are sprouting. How confusing it is for the human condition to know that the scope of our internal planet is so dynamic and changing that we can't just open our eyes and see what's happening around us. We have to look inside. And yeah, this might be some kind of crazy effluvia of nonsense. Who knows? This, you know, all this riffraff, this nonsense I'm speaking. It would be easy to marginalize, to write off. This guy just talks nonsense. And yet, isn't that how all wisdom is marginalized? Isn't that how all new ideas are shelved? Because they're inconvenient? Because they are uncomfortable? Because the dynamic nature of change, for some reason, goes against being comfortable as a human Being comfortable means I'm not going to search because searching is a dynamic 
experience. You have to put your backpack on. You have to, you have to pack it with things, you know, all the food, all the equipment, and go out into the field. It's exhausting. Some people can't do it every day. For some reason, I've had the fortitude to do it for the last 20 years. I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing, but it is the absolute truth that I have lived nowhere in the last 25 years for longer than six months. That's a flat fact. At the most, it's been a year. Now, I've had dwellings, but I didn't live there. At one station, my family had three houses. But I didn't live in any of those individual locations for more than nine months. Six, six probably, actually, if I'm being honest. I don't know what that means. And perhaps it's just me. Perhaps I am only one component the cog that is continually spinning. Meanwhile, I know people who've lived in the same house for the last five years. My brother, for example. And there's a... There's a I wonder so, so much if, if I'm doing something wrong or am I just honoring my own strange and different trajectory? I would like to think that I am. I would like to think that there are different paths prescribed to each and every one of us. And to honor your own path is the greatest duty. I hope that is the case. I hope that is what I can teach my son. But only a fool would say, I know for sure. Only a fool would say, I know for sure that you're supposed to settle down and live in one place for five years. Maybe you're not. Only a fool would say you're supposed to hit the road and explore your entire life. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But I do know that the key to this life is attempting to find a way to bring honor and dignity to your own personal trajectory. And I hate the tropes which say everything happens for a reason. <sighs> yes. <laughs> we can delineate the reasons for which things happen. That is true. But there is no grand plan. That's ridiculous. Because I could take this computer outside right now and smash it. And it wouldn't serve the people who are listening and it wouldn't serve a grand plan but that's still within my possibility to do is someone keeping me from doing that a magical force would the, would it is there a reason everything happens for a reason is there a reason i'm not smashing this computer into bits even though that's what i want to do because i hate technology i hate the march of our universe Yes, it's a magical force that's forcing you to talk into the computer and make a podcast. I don't believe that at all. I am here doing this for my son. Because I, the individual, have chosen 
this as my method of contribution, and I am grateful to have found one. But my free will means that the only reason these things are happening is because I've chosen them, and I could just as easily choose to destroy it. Believe me, there are moments when I am pushed in that direction, the direction to destroy the computer. And I have to choose not to. And I do. I choose to contribute in a positive way. And I would make the argument that if you don't choose to refuse the crystallization of your heart, then it will crystallize into something dead because it is actually easier to die inside and become numb to this universe. It is easier not to make a choice to stay alive because the tendency of everything is to die, to become numb, to cease breathing, to cease efforting, to cease choosing the things that are uncomfortable, to stay awake at 12.15 at night in Pensacola, Florida, in some hotel in the rain. It takes effort to choose those things, to contribute, to make the music, to find the quotes, to find the things that inspire. All these things take a discomfort You must find a value in discomfort in this reality. And if you don't find value in discomfort, you will never create anything. Go and read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he calls this resistance. It is a force which wants to make you comfortable. And you must fight against it. Every time you sit down to write, every time you sit down to create, every time you sit down to do anything in this world, it will be uncomfortable, but only at the beginning. Because once you stretch your legs, once the blood begins to flow, once you lubricate the system, that engine wants to run against the force of the universe. And there is nothing more beautiful than that. Than an engine which is pounding. There's nothing more beautiful than your heart pounding to create something. And that is my thesis in this episode. Create something larger than yourself. You will feel the energy expand past you. So many things will get in your way. So many things will discourage you. So many things will make you uncomfortable. But every 
everything which has ever been created on the face of our planet first started with the digging of a hole. With the challenging of the status quo. You can take a special kind of security and comfort in that, in the knowing that if you dig a hole, something will fill it up. That's why I continue to be here. That's why I continue to log on into this madness, to talk into the ether. Now that we have thousands and thousands of listeners, I started sitting here talking to myself. And now thousands of people are here with me. Why? Not because I'm special, not because I'm amazing, not because they come to worship me. But because they know that I am consistently capable of digging a hole and trusting that the universe will fill it up with something beautiful. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you. This was a strange episode, a strange diatribe. And I I am only seeking to connect. And I am I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am that so many people have gathered around me and acknowledged my my efforts. I, I, I have no words, actually, which is strange because I usually have a lot of words. <laughs> Think on this. Let it inspire you. I have some electronic music for you now. But remember, if I'm, if I'm allowed to summarize this, if I may... The tendency of everything is to crystallize, is to calcify, is to harden into something dead. One day, you too will harden in rigor mortis into something dead. And I would argue, I would put forth the proposition that it is our duty to rage against that urge, that tendency while we are alive and do things which are uncomfortable. And yes, we have to mitigate how much they hurt others. We, we, we are going to make mistakes and accidentally do things which are too outrageous. But if we pay attention, if we are careful, if we are mindful, doing things in an outrageous way 
will serve to inspire others far more than they will hurt. Embrace the discomfort of our future. That doesn't mean throw an implant into your head to make things easier. It means resist that temptation. All right. Thank you for being here. I'm going to give you some beautiful electronic music now. My name is Maverick Matthews, and this has been Pepper for Your Steak. One day, artificially intelligent machines will be the ruin of men.
pocket-sized expression, the map mix.
faster than the computer. He has a pen and paper in front of him, and he can outperform the world's fastest computer with his own brain. Two and a half years into it, in like 1949, the computer beats him. And he made a statement then that said, one day, artificially intelligent machines will be the ruin of man. machines will be the ruin of man.